Hello all, you are currently listening to the second installment of our episode on Celtic philosophy. Thank you so much for coming today. We hope you enjoy. And we're just going to pick up right where we left off. Again, going back to religion. When sacrifices were made, they were, like, they made really elaborate feasts with the unsacrificed animals. Because they provided a kind of communal link with the supernatural world. A good example of ritual religious practice is the bull feast. So this was the Celtic ritual for choosing a king, especially the king of Tara, which is, you know, a place. Now, a bull was sacrificed, and a chosen man drank the blood and ate the meat of the bull. He would then go to sleep with the incantations of four druids who would, you know, like, sing around him or something. What? And he would have a dream that would reveal who the new king oh, was going to be. Okay. Yeah. And this was only part of the election process, oh. but it showed the importance of gaining the approvals of the gods. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. It had to be endorsed. Absolutely. Imagine having to get endorsed by the gods. That's so could much you, pressure. Can, could well, how you, do you imagine for that? Could you imagine drinking the blood, falling asleep to the chance, not dreaming? Just waking up being like, <gasps> hello? I had a fever now, but I'm so sorry. I forgot to have to, like, I forgot I had to dream. Can we just do it again? Could you imagine just seeing, I don't know, whatever damn society you're in fall apart and having to live with the knowledge that you made it up? Oh, my God. You didn't know? Oh, my God. You're like, I didn't have any dreams. So, <laughs> now some accounts from the Romans. First, we know from JC himself. Not Jesus Christ. Julius Caesar. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I'm not the first billionaire to get out of the project. <laughs> you know what? I should have. I should have fucking said it. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, moving on. So Roman accounts are the kind. Are the ones that kind of tell us what their the main object of their studies were. Of their studies, I mean the Druids. Yeah. The priests of the Celtic religions. Mm-hmm. And what we see, especially from um, Julius Caesar, so they, their main object of education, so the thing they were going to focus on when they were teaching, was try to kind of instill a firm belief in the indestructibility of the human soul, which, okay. according to their belief, merely passes a death from one place to another. And for, he kind of says, for by such doctrine alone, which I hate, I don't mm-hmm. think those words go well together, but basically what he says is that with this in mind, they could rob death of all its terrors. Oh. Yeah. So the oh. highest form of human courage was developed by this. Ah. That's why they had the fiercest warriors. They were yeah. not afraid of dying. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. So they had a lot of other teachings related to astronomy or the geographical distribution of the globe and a bunch of branches of natural philosophy. But their main thing was going to be trying to get rid of fear of death. That's incredible. Yeah, because they were all... That's so weird. They were warriors, man. That was it. That was their thing. That's why when you watch Vikings produced by the History Channel... um, They're all just kind of excited to go to war. They're not scared of death. Like, why would they be? That's so cool. Okay, so here I was going to add a clip of the movie series Vikings. Um, when they're yelling, we're not afraid of death because we're going to be with the gods. Or, you know, 
Um, and then I realized that they're saying it in their language, their Viking language. <laughs> so, sorry guys, just imagine that I inserted it here. Yeah, I know. Okay, so we have another Roman, Roman commentator that we know of, and he kind of says that, you know, the Druids, who are the priests of the yeah. Celtic religions. I don't, I don't know how many times we've mentioned that, so I just kind of want to say it again, because we're going to... Nice. They yeah. were the priests. The priests of the cults. Mm -hmm. So basically, this guy, his name is Diogenes Lertus, not to be confused with Diogenes the Cynic. Right, exactly. Not the same. He was, you know, out there throwing chickens at Plato. Yep. And this guy says that um, Druids make their pronouncements by means of riddles and dark sayings, teachings that the, gods, the gods must be worshipped and no evil done, and mainly behavior maintained. And, you know, it's kind of easy to see how a guy who grew up in a completely different place would kind of think these things would be a little creepy, because yeah. it was like riddles and metaphors and all that. Right. Kind of how we know what they spoke like, you know? How mm -hmm. they're... What they did, yeah. their customs. Their slam poetry was like... Nice. It's a little bit, you know. So now we're going to get into more general beliefs in Celtic traditions. And we kind of, okay, I kind of mentioned it already a little bit with the whole um, bull festival or whatever. But nice. the main thing here was uh, there was a consensus among all of them that pleasing the gods was an extremely important thing. Yeah. So druids, besides being philosophers, teachers, judges, were also the repository of communal wisdoms about the natural world and traditions of the people, and they were the mediators between humans and the gods. Oh, that's so cool. So in other words, these people were extremely important, and they were even feared by some members of the Celtic tribes. They had influence over the kings, and some people considered them more important than the kings themselves. Wow. And they were hella mysterious, which did not help. You nice. Know, they, would, they would be like, we need to worship the gods, and they would go to the forest. That's so cool. That's it. I read that too. They would go to like either a lake yeah, or something. They like clearings. Yeah. Or nature. Or holes. Yeah. Okay, or holes. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and again, I think you mentioned it the two genders. <laughs> nature and holes. <laughs> clearings and holes. <laughs> okay. But yeah. Um, so uh, you can just mention it, but because they had this kind of really high status or they were regarded as really important members of society they didn't have to pay taxes and they did not yeah. have to fight in battles oh lucky yeah i hate going to battles become a priest oh, okay um there's a thing kind of going back to the whole women have no rights thing you know mm -hmm. that's pretty usual. but here you kind of see that there are some accounts of of women who were uh, druids and yes know, priestesses yeah. you know i just kind of wanted to mention it here that's cool I feel like that was a really good path for women who were like, I'm tired of being treated less than. Absolutely. Oh. And okay. I don't know, it's kind of cool. But again, because we don't really have any names of any of the druids, actually. Yeah. No, they didn't really keep track really of that sort difficult. of thing. It's And actually, I was reading about it, and there's so little archaeological um, evidence of the druids even being a thing. Yeah. And we do know that the Romans were obsessed with them. Mm -hmm. And we're like, they're so cool. Mm -hmm. So cool. So they spoke about him a lot. Now, getting into more uh, specific things, let's get into the whole eternal souls thing. Mm -hmm. So, unfortunately, the Paleo Druids, which is the Druids in that were like the ones we're talking about right now. So we're talking yeah. before, uh, like three five hundred BC. Oh, okay. To Damn. Three hundred A. The 
Actually, I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the Paleo um, Druid era. Then okay. you see a resurgence in like the 1700s and then again in the 1900s. Uh, yes. Those okay. are the kind of three stages that it, they have. These guys had a prohibition against recording their beliefs. Yeah. They believed that that kind of knowledge had to be transfer- transferred orally. And again, we see that they, had a, they placed a lot of importance in the power of music because they believed that it had the power to enchant the gods. So again, they were like, hmm, two plus two is four. Done. I love that. Yeah. They enchanted the gods with music. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So yeah, fun fact, guys. That's it. That's the fun fact that That's they enchanted the gods. So the ancient druids lived in a tribal warrior society. And some of their ethical values make the most sense only within this kind of mm-hmm. society. And this is going back to their whole eternal souls thing that yeah. we see from Julius Caesar that he finds so interesting. And there's very little known about their beliefs, but we do know that they believed in life after death. We have another, his man's name is Pomponius. I, <laughs> I love that for him. So Pomponius talks about one of their dogmas has, that has come to common knowledge is namely that souls are eternal hmm. and there is another life in the infernal regions. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I see you, Pomponia, Pomp, whatever. Yeah, and, the, and he kind of, kind of mentions that he, this is what makes them so ready for war. Mm-hmm. And this is the reason also why they burn and bury their dead. You know, those are the things that keep them alive. Those are the things that right. maintain them in this realm. Yeah. So we need to get rid of that. But then also, we see that they, they buried food and other items because they also believed that that was a way that it could reach them in the other life. Oh my god. It's really cool. It also appears that they believed that the next world was going to be really like this one. Yeah. Yeah. So Pomponius. <laughs> yeah. He also <laughs> sees that... <laughs> In times past, this is a quote, yeah. in times past, they even used to defer the completion of business and payment of debts until the arrival to the other world. No. Yeah. So they were like, we don't know how it's going to look like. You pay me there. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. What? And another thing is that because prior to the Christians, there was no concept of punishment in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like there's like their gods are interested in good or evil. Yeah, so yeah. their afterlife is just the next life. life. The next life. Yeah. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. They were just like, how could any... Oh, and I actually read that on that website where they talk about Gloria Steinem, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, where they kind of consider, like, how can things be good or bad? It's just what you do. It's what you want to do. And when we get to the, the free will part, because mm-hmm. I, I honestly tried looking up and down for that, but we don't see it specifically in them. Mm-hmm. I think it's what... Um, this specific guy kind of derives from his his learnings. Yeah, he's yeah. around him, mm-hmm. which is again something pretty common narrative we see in ancient civilizations. Yeah, that were not really into writing things down. Mm-hmm. Okay, the other thing they are really into is the transmigration of the soul. Okay, Julius Caesar again, he mentions that quote: "A lesson which they take particular pains to inculcate is that the soul does not perish." But after death, passes from one body to another. So I, I really don't know how it relates, but they believed in the afterlife, and they also believed that you would reincarnate. I think that it wouldn't be, from what I read, I don't think it's really incar- reincarnation. 
as much as it is like you go on to another life, but your soul passes on to someone or something else. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. I don't know. I really, I've, I got that the druids taught. I've read metempsychosis. Mm-hmm. That's what I read Which too. is that you're reborn in new bodies, either human or animal. Or animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But unlike other philosophical and religious doctrines, the Celts didn't believe that reincarnation was a punishment. Because to them, this world was not something to escape from. So there were no promises of a better life in the afterlife, because this life was good. Wow. And being reborn was also considered good. It was a new chance to another life. Crazy. Yeah. I feel like they were just happy. They, they were just were happy, happy people. people. They were just chilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some In some religions, you see that um, reincarnation is a punishment because you mm-hmm. haven't completed your cycle and all mm-hmm. that. And then you have, you know, in Christianism, the next life is the best life or yeah. things like that. Or in Catholicism, I don't know what about you, girl. But, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a refreshing point of view. Yeah. And it leads to some very drastic things that influence the world today. But we're gonna we're gonna get to it. We're gonna get to it, people. We're close. Yes. Because it was very hard finding exactly what their philosophical beliefs were. I kind of latched onto a few, mm-hmm. and then looked at where the influence of these things led to later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So nice. we have a thing um, when we look at early Irish law or Brehon law. Brehon maybe. Mm-hmm. Early Irish law is seen as an expression of a culture and humane society that protects itself. And something that I find very interesting is they, they did not believe in capital punishment. Oh, because violent punishment was seen of no value to society. Right. Yeah. So what you would see is that, you know, punishments did not always follow like crimes. So okay. a murderer, after doing his murdering, you know, have, yeah. Just in the to do list for today. Yeah. He would, he would receive a lot of fines, usually, depending on status of the criminal, the damage he did, status, well, this is not specifically murdered, but um, the, the status of the person that was injured, mm-hmm. and other circumstances. They would arrive to a conclusion that usually had to do with a lot of fines, and then sometimes, if a person was murdered, the murderer would have to serve the family of the injured as a slave for the rest of his life. Oof. Mm-hmm. Because, again, they're trying to add value to society. Right, of course. Oof. And they would see murder as the only crime that involved more than the killer and the victim. Okay. Because there was a suffering to the family. To society. Just, yeah. Yeah. There was some some inherent value. Not inherent value, but like a, a role taken away from exactly. society and its family. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think, you know, I think that, that was cool. Yeah. And now we're going to get to free will. So in the year... 360 or 370 AC, there was a man called Pelagius. AC? AC, ah. Uh, um, you're uh, thinking in Spanish. El BC. Yeah. <laughs> El BC. El BC? Yes, yes. <laughs> anyway. So this guy called Pelagius, he was a British Christian from the Celtic Christian Church. Mm-hmm. And they had a lot of influence from the Celts, you know. Yeah, of course. So this man visited Rome. Mm -hmm. He visited Rome and he thought, holy fuck, no wonder St. Augustine is obsessed with sin, bro. Yeah. He thought thought the belief in in the original sin was stupid and unhelpful. Because to believe that we are born sinful and there's nothing we can do about it would lead people to give up trying to be good. He'd be like, you know what, I'm going to apologize later. I'm going to be a dumb fuck for the rest of the time. And he also thought it was unfair. (laughs) 
Yeah. Listen, listen. He became really concerned about the lack of moral standards across, across Christians. Oh my God. And he really hoped to improve their conduct by teaching, like by sharing the Celtic teachings. Oh my goodness. He rejected the arguments of those who claimed that people sinned because of human weakness. Mm-hmm. And he insisted that God had made humans, humans free to choose between good and evil. Yeah. And that sin was a voluntary act by a person against God's law. So he was like, are you not fucking telling me Yeah, that you have no fucking choice here? Are you yeah. serious? And then he kind of wrote to St. Augustine, and he was like, <clears throat> quote, Before eating the fruit, they did not know the difference between good and evil. Mm-hmm. Thus, they did not possess the knowledge which enables human beings to exercise freedom of choice. By eating the fruit, they acquired this knowledge, and from that moment onwards, they were free. Uh, thus, the story of their banishment from Eden is, in the truth, the story of how the human race gained its freedom. By eating mm-hmm. the fruit from the tree of knowledge, Adam and Eve became mature human beings responsible to God for their actions. Mm. So, of course, this man was condemned by the councils. Of course, he was excommunicated. Yeah. And well, then he was excommunicated. The popes, plural, hated him. <laughs> Absolutely hated him. He, I can imagine. He revolutionized thought. St. I mean, Augustine despised him. I mean, the Catholic Church was notorious in being able to tell people that they're wrong, lowly sinners. Well, you know. And, I mean, to this day, there's a huge debate on whether, you know, free will means you're going to have weakness for the rest of your life in order to decide things. Mm-hmm. Or free will is simply that you're given the responsibility over your own actions. Yeah. So... But I thought it was cool. And then I saw um, hella articles just being like, this man single-handedly mm-hmm. led people to what Europe is today when it comes to thinking about free will. Yeah. Because he was the one who was like, hold up, hold the fuck up. We mm-hmm. are responsible adults. Yeah. Calm the fuck down. You're going to tell me you can see a pair of titties? Yeah, because you're going to go crazy? Are you yep. serious? I learned, oh my god, I learned during two years of college and I did fucking 11 years of Catholic school. Are you serious? (laughs) And the last one, this is one that I don't know if we're going to cut or not. Uh, In the 9th century, Mm -hmm. we find influence of the ethical guidance of the Druids. Ooh, exciting. Something important is that sometimes the teachings of the Druids were intended for the speaker's own children or grandchildren. Okay. To teach them how to become mature adults. Mm-hmm. There's this text that's called The Instructions of Cormac, who is hmm. King Cormac of Ireland, mm-hmm. legendary figure, mm-hmm. maybe a person, who knows? Okay. <laughs> so it's kind of medieval Irish wisdom literature. And it's supposed to guide, it's supposed to be a guide for rulers that is supposed to, you know, be his collection of wisdoms, yeah. things that he learned. Which I found funny because it's like guide, guides for rulers, but also for people how to behave. Mm. And I just kept thinking of uh, the prince. For some reason, I was like, it's, you know how Machiavelli mm-hmm. is supposed mm-hmm. to be. That's know? true, where he was like, this is what you should do. Yeah, he's like, this, people do not get fooled by practices, but then the rulers were like, how to fool people. Literally. Yeah. Oh my god. You know, I found it funny, but it's really, it's a really um, interesting collection of wisdoms. Because... Mm-hmm. It's the one I told you earlier, that it's his son asks this man, he goes, what were your habits when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. And he kind of goes, um, I was a listener in the woods, I was a gazer at the stars, I was blind where secrets were concerned. But then he starts getting a little more wise, you know? Mm-hmm. 
He goes, I was weak towards the strengthless and I was strong towards the powerful. I did not deride old people, though I was young. I was not boastful, though I was a good fighter. And he, he would go um, saying things like, I would not ask, but I would give. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so he, he, you have to note that there's this kind of certain emphasis on kindness to others. That's precious. But there's never an indication that you should be passively obedient to anyone. Right. It's just this person saying, you make the decision to be good because you want to be. Exactly. Because this is what a good ruler looks like. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god. And because we see this kind of mysticism in the first two lines that he's like, oh, the, the wilderness and all that. Mm-hmm. And he, he, well, what people speculate is that he's saying, you know, learn from these elements how to live your life. You know, yeah. look at the wilderness, be quiet, appreciate, don't, don't speak over it. Yeah. You no, know, let it tell you what it wants. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Druids were very much into nature, yes. which gets very annoying in the 1900s because they're like yeah. naturalista, environmentalist. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this was a very different kind of perception here. And we especially see how balance is kind of emphasized in every in every sentence after there's a billion sentences and mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. but you know we see this kind of um juxtaposition of opposites something that we see in many other texts we've seen before yeah. we see it in taoism yeah and things like that so it kind of is yeah, the whole thing yeah. about he tells he tells his kid you know i was not arrogant but I, though i was wise you know, it's the whole thing about, I'm going to tell you the two opposites. You need to arrive at the conclusion right. yourself. He's basically like, be, be humble. Yeah. So he... Oh, actually. Mm. And then there's another one where he kind of elaborates on the concepts of the juxtaposition of opposites. Mm-hmm. He, it's his son kind of telling him that he wants to know how to behave among the wise and the foolish the friends and the strangers, the old and the young, and the innocent and the wicked. And he goes, it's not very hard. You need to not be too wise, but not too foolish. Don't talk too much. Don't be too silent. If you are too wise, people will expect too much. But if you're too full, you'll be, you'll be deceived. If you talk too much, you will not be heeded. But if you're too silent, they'll not regard you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's the whole thing about find a balance, but it's up to you to arrive at yeah, what, yeah, and what that balance yeah, means in your life. Exactly. So I don't know. It's and it's kind of. I saw it mentioned a few times, and it's kind of the. It's a pretty good way to see what Druid philosophy got to. Yeah, hundreds of years after. Yeah, but the the influence of the culture of the Celtic culture mm-hmm. was still there. Yeah, and it was you know it's up to you to determine who you are. It's free will. Like it's, it's your yeah. choice. And now we have the movie Brave. Oh, what would we do without it? I have no idea. Merida yeah. really shaped me. And that's that's it for me. Oh my god, that was so interesting. We Thank are you. done. Attention, attention. If by any chance Sersha Ronan or that super hot guy from Outlander are listening to this episode, please donate to our Patreon and, you know, DM us. Either yeah. of us, both of us, either of you, both, both of, of you, you, go for it. Honestly. We'll be waiting. Yeah. Goodbye. And if you are one of our listeners, thank you very much. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We really hope you enjoyed it. This theme 
stay tuned for next week's topic and share with all your friends read us on itunes follow us on instagram um i would say follow us on patreon yeah donate maybe Me, you got 25 cents you got a dollar you got 50 Mm-hmm. That's up to you. If you got $50, congratulations. Yeah. We hope you Honestly. guys enjoy the sound of our new microphones. And you know, again, rate us on iTunes. Exactly. That's, that's where we get very important. Oh, okay. This is a way too long outro. So thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next week.